This is Clint Howard, and you're listening to the Champs Word Podcast. Stay tuned. Champs Word Podcast, the podcast of bad champs, the podcast champion. Opinions on this podcast may not be those of others. This podcast is adult language and completely uncensored. You have been warned. It's now time once again to spread the word. <laughs> Welcome to episode of Champs Word, episode 115, where we bring back the celebrity interviews. That's right, it's me, yours truly, Ben Champ, with a new soundboard, new equipment, brand new podcast, and it's going to be exciting. I want to say thank you to each one of you for following me. Thank you for each one of your love and support throughout this entire podcast. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. We're going to have more guests coming on now and so much more. A big shout out to everybody that's been supporting me down the road. A big shout out to everybody that's been on the podcast in the past. So thank you. With the bottom of my heart, thank you for this, how far this, this podcast and this journey has, has come. So it means a lot to me. With that being said, tonight we welcome our guest back again with none other than Robert Schaefer. He played the Psycho Cop. The Horror Cop. That's right. Great guest coming up. Um, again, Robert Schaefer to the podcast. It's going to be a great interview, and I, I can't wait. I'm excited. This is going to be amazing. And again, thanks to each one of you. I can't wait to come to Jersey Harcon, the film festival. Can't wait to go to um, this, this. So much is going to go on. I'm going to have merchandise soon. I'm going to get shirts done soon. I got braces. I got stickers. So please inbox me, hit me up, email me, chancewordpodcast at gmail.com and get a sticker or a bracelet email me go and go on we're gonna be a patreon soon um come on the podcast um we'll follow an anchor and you support the podcast you get exclusive stuff if you if you if you subscribe to the the podcast itself so five dollars a month um it'll go to good stuff good proceeds um that kind of stuff i want to help as an example for 
like um, St. Jude's, we can help um, um, bullying, we can help um, autism, so much more we can do. We're gonna make positive change in the world. We're gonna be positive, I'm gonna say that you can, because there's no such word as you can. Practice what I preach, I know, I, I know, I know. But I'm gonna get better, I've gotten better. A lot of confidence. Big shout out to everybody that's ever supported me for this podcast. You mean a lot to me so, so much. Um, this journey has been amazing and, and it's going to get better from here. It's going to get better from here. Trust me. Um, big, big shout out to all my fans. A big, big shout out to everybody that, that supported me. A big, big shout out to all my past co hosts. Um, the nothing but love for you. No hate at all. Um, it was a journey. And now it's time for me to take it to the next level. Take the podcast to a next level. And that's what I'm going to do. And all joking aside, it's just me, your fan champion. Because <laughs> I'm here to stay. And I am the fan champion. The podcast champion. Write that down. Fan champion, the podcast champion, because we're going to take this to a whole new level. And those who done this, well, then just one thing for them. Because we know we got this. So without further ado, Let's welcome Robert to the show. Robert, the psycho cop, director, and much, much more. Let's get to know his career. So without further ado, I bring to you my guest on episode 115. And here we go. Robert, how are you? Hey, Mike, how are you? Good. I, I managed to get in here. Awesome. Thank you so much for getting Come on. It's not on camera. It's just local, right? It's just, yeah. Terrific. So, yeah. So, thanks, thanks for coming on. To Hang on. It's my pleasure. So, we'll, we'll start from the beginning. How, how do you open up, like, your, your entire no. I'm sorry, that sort of broke up there. What was the question? How, how did it all begin your acting career? Uh, uh, an actress, of course. I <laughs> I moved to Los Angeles and met an actress and fell in love with her and uh, got went to her film sets and TV sets. And she encouraged me to uh, go take acting classes. So I did. And I went to the best teacher in L.A., a lady named Peggy Fury. She taught me uh, the Stanislavski method, you know, the, the method, the actor studios where she came from. And I had Meg Ryan and Nick Cage and Eric Stoltz and Jeff Goldblum and nice. Michelle Pfeiffer. And I'm name dropping now, aren't I? Wow. That's, yeah, that's a good, that's a good, um, good, good, you know, a good group. That's for sure. Well, it was, uh, there was, you know, 50 people in the class and it was very competitive and you didn't want to continually have to keep doing the same scene over and over <laughs> because the class grew to hate it. 
except there was one scene that Nick Cage loved to do it. That was the only scene he wanted to do. It was a Carson McCullers piece, and he played a preacher, and he had a wooden leg, uh, or, or the woman he was dating had a wooden leg, and he would take it off of her and beat her with it. Wow. <laughs> and so everybody, everybody, every time Nick would be up again, everybody would be like, oh, no, not the Carson McCullers piece again. <laughs> because he relished it so much. So it was funny. Years later, uh, I ran into him on a, a movie set that my uh, buddy had written in. I, I said to him, hey, Nick, what was the name of that piece that you always did in Peggy's class where you, where you beat that girl with the wooden leg? And he was like, it was Carson McCullers. <laughs> the heart is a lonely hunter. <laughs> and, he, and he and it was you know it was just funny because he loved it so much right. he was a very he was very daring though you know in those days i think he always has been that sort of distinguishes him as an actor right. if you remember back then he played in a film called vampire's kiss oh, and, I, think I, I think i seen it years ago yeah it, it was a really great vampire and i think it was underappreciated you know it was before he was making big budget films right but uh he really it was uh you know it was creepy and and that's what i look for in a good horror film i i like the creepy factor right i, I was the practical effect you know, yeah it's okay now but i was like the practical, practical effect yeah sure i was like, okay, like you know like the you know, the latex and the throw, you know, practical stuff. Not all the CGI stuff we have now, which is great, but wrong. Like, I always understand the practical, like, you know, a cheesy knife in the head, you know, the wind that holds in, stuff like that. Yeah, I did a little cameo in a picture called Zom Beavers, and, and the guys were doing uh, practical effects with the beavers in that. <laughs> you know, it was it was funny to to see, you know, but they had they had good beavers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and good beavers, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. it, 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 th that's required in horror films. You know, the old maxim I think is pretty accurate: show your tits and die. So, uh, once you show them, that's it. You're, you're done. Like, yeah, you and you know, I made a horror parody uh, called Dick Dixter, which is about a drunk Hollywood film director forced to remake his only hit horror film, Cult of Doom into cult of poon it's it's uh available on amazon prime you should check it out nice uh there's a lot of inside jokes in it you know about psycho cop right. and and ho making low budget horror films but uh <laughs> the i told the girls i said oh i had bonnie rotten you know show her boobs but she's a professional but the other eight actresses i told them i forgot to make you girls show your boobs damn i was getting you know, I thought, I, I, I thought it was, but you know, we didn't need it. The film is a comedy and it just detracts from comedy. Um, although I, you know, I should have. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, working on, I got a screenplay for my own film. Like I'm trying to like a screenplay, I got up. It's about vampires. I'm just trying oh, to get good. people coming in, you know, like, it's trying to cast now, like down with it, you know, gotta make it happen. Well, that's, um, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Right. You know, on my very first movie, uh, it's called The Rosebud Beach Hotel. And that was 1984. And in my second scene, I was standing next to Christopher Lee. <laughs> yeah, the Christopher Lee. Sir Christopher Lee. 
great. You, you know, uh, the in many ways the best Dracula of them all. Oh yeah. You know, he he, he really had that intensity. Um, I never felt like he was. You know, when I watched him play. Hello? You there? There you are. All right, yeah. Okay, no problem. So you're seeing about Christopher Lee? Yeah, but he was really kind to me and told me some more stories and, you know, uh, gave me the pep talk. And, I, you know, whenever I was around uh, older, more experienced actors in those days, I just pumped them, you know, just just trying to learn as much as I could. The, the, the greatest uh, thing that I had going there besides the, my classes was I lived and the actress girlfriend <laughs> was I lived across the street from uh, Rocket Video, which uh, was, you know, a great place on Melrose and La Brea in Hollywood. And so every day I was in there writing another movie, a new movie every day, every day, another movie. So I covered all the genres. I covered all the eras. You know, it was a real education. And that's what you want to do if right. you want to be in the film business. <laughs> Like I, I always have ideas. I mean, if I talk something, I write it down. I have crazy things. Like you know, I wrote, when I wrote, like, I was like, vampires. So I had that crazy um, a frog man lives in the cold, that kind of stuff. Sure. Got to write it down. Well, that's uh, and that in reading, you know, that's the reading right. is the most important thing for an actor. Uh, of course, because it's so uh, integral part of uh, communicating the language, you know. Right. Although uh, a good acting is not a lot of talking. <laughs> yeah, well, like Jane, tell Bobby, tell Bobby straight back. Kevin Smith did see a word you're with one or two lines. Made a fortune. That's right. Yep. So how did you let go of uh, Psycho Cop? My favorite. You know, I was there the first time, but I remember Smith. And it was actually my favorite show. Thank you. Well, I'm wearing my uh, Psycho Cop T-shirt right now. I just discovered it online. It's a real, it's a real treat that, you know, it still lives on after 30, 30 years. I mean, um, I got the part. Interestingly enough, uh, I went to the director's house. I submitted myself uh, from backstage weekly. You know, every week you read the breakdowns and put your picture in an envelope and send it in. Right. Maybe you got a call. Maybe you didn't. I got a call. I go to the director's house for, uh, and he, we were auditioning. He was using the play True West by Sam Shepard, which I happened to know. I had just seen John Malkovich and Gary Sinise do it on PBS. I was working on it in my class <laughs> and I was in the waiting room and I could hear all these guys in there just butchering it. They were terrible. You know, it's Sam Shepard's very hard to do in a cold reading. I mean, it's very precise language and I knew it. I mean, I, I didn't even need to read the sides. I could do it without them. Right. Mm -hmm. But of course, but of course you still hold them like you need them. And 
so I go in, I do it, I kill it, I know I got it. And the first thing he says to me is, are you familiar with True West? And I went, eh, a little. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I, I didn't let on that, you know, I was ready to put it up on the stage. And the the great thing about it was I got to do it uh, in it, on its 20th anniversary uh, in Pasadena where Shepard wrote it. You know, and this play was done by uh, everybody. I mean, the Quaid brothers did it on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, on and on. I mean, Ed Harris did it. I mean, on and on and on. It was sort of a, a measuring test, you know, uh, right. because it was such a great Shepherd piece. And uh, <clears throat> I really liked doing it on stage, uh, but it, it led to Psycho Cop. And, you know, um, they signed me to a five-picture deal. And so I was pretty excited about it. And I got to go to the Cannes Film Festival and, you know, I paraded around. <laughs> I was parading around in France in the costume. Uh, although I, I do have to tell the funny story, uh, Mike, about when we were uh, waiting to get the money out of the executive producer for Psycho Cop, the first one. Uh-huh. The producer of the movie was Claude Rains's daughter. That's Claude Rains from Casablanca, The Invisible Man. That actor, his daughter, was producing. So the director and the producer tell me, listen, we're having trouble getting the money out of the executive producer. We think you should rent the costume and go over to his office and see if you can get the money. And I'm like, sounds like a good idea to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I spend a hundred bucks, which was a lot of money in those days to me. Right. And I rent the costume from Western costume. We're talking the Jack boots, the black leather jacket, the badge, the gun, the whole bit. So I show up in Beverly Hills <laughs> unannounced. He doesn't know I'm coming. And all of a sudden, here's six foot five, 230 pounds of, you know, psychopath <laughs> in your office in a Nazi outfit <laughs> in the middle of the afternoon when you're supposed to be going to lunch. And I'm acting, you know, I think I'm doing some, I don't remember exactly what I did. I think I was just talking tough. <laughs> and <laughs> Finally, after about 30 minutes of it, I think he was getting hungry. You know, he wanted to go to lunch. He said, okay, mate, we'll make it. <laughs> so that's how we got the green light. And, uh, you know, a month or two later, we were shooting it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, made it happen. Uh, and, you know, I think the real reason he... I'm still here. Okay. I thought you dropped out. No, it's, uh, I think it's reception. Or, you know, the weather's been crazy here, too. Crazy weather. Heat waves are ridiculous. I'm sorry. You're, you're breaking up on this end. The, the heat waves have been ridiculous anymore. So, that and the heat's been... Well, that's that's why we have air conditioning, right? Yeah. That's, my, that's my other line of work, of course, on the office, HVAC. Oh, so. right. You know, I, I did a commercial uh, last year for an outfit called Mr. Cool, 
which makes these great little air conditioners that just cool, you know, certain room. Uh, pretty clever. But the funny thing about it was I played three women. I played the mother, the mother-in-law, and the daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first time in 35 years I'd ever played a woman. And I did three of them. It was terrifying because I had to, you know, do different voices for them. And, yeah. and I had I had bras and, and wigs and makeup. And, you know, I, t- I kept telling and I was running back and forth, switching back and forth between these different women and a couple guys. I played the son uh, and the dad in it also five parts and all. Wow. And wow. I told the uh, I told the makeup girls that. Thank God I'm a dude. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you do it, really. I mean, yeah, this, this, yeah, this is crazy. The the makeup they can do, the magic they can do. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah. Well, that was one of uh, Ricky Gervais's rules for lazy actors: was uh, never take a job that requires more than five minutes of makeup, because that means it'll take more than five minutes to get it on and off. Yep. So when I was making Psycho Cop Returns, of course, I had burn makeup on that. Right. In that. Uh, fortunately, that was only on for a couple of days because that was an hour and a half to get that on wow. and just about as long to get it off. Of course, those guys were real artists. Uh, I think it, it really holds up well. Uh, we watched a screening of Psycho Cop Returns a couple of years ago, uh, you know, uh, after the uh, Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray. Right. So the director was there, Adam Rifkin, the uh, Nick Vallelonga was there. I mean, it was a great evening because the theater was full and we hadn't screened, uh, you know, the director's cut ever in front of a live audience of cinephiles. And we killed. I mean, it just the film kicked their butts. <laughs> and it was great because before the movie, Adam introduces me to William Lustig, who directed Maniac Cop. Okay. And I had never, I'd never seen Maniac Cop. Of course, I've heard a lot about it over the last 25 years, right? Mm-hmm. So I say to, I say to Bill Lustig, I say, you know, Bill, it's funny because over the last 25 years, people keep coming up to me and saying, who would win in a fight, Maniac Cop or Psycho Cop? Lustig looks at me and goes, well, I said, you're looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Still see, Psycho Kip Kip gets all the one-liners. Everybody knows that. Apparently not Bill Lustig, but I dropped one on him. Wow, they should have made a movie, Psycho Cop versus me. That would have been something. Oh, yeah. Well, let's keep RoboCop out of it, because I have a feeling he'd be the winner. Well, Maniac and Psycho. Yeah, and then there's Scanner Cop, and there's all kinds of cops. Robocop, the big, the big guns that what they had. It's crazy. Yeah, that was Peter Weller. That was a that was excellent. Robocop. It was crazy. That was That's one of my uh, one of my favorite bits. Is the guy has a a large rocket that he launches into an appliance store, uh-huh. and after after it explodes, he screams, "I like it." <laughs> <laughs> so great. So what do you what do you like favorite moments like for your like for like I'm sorry. What do you like favorite moments like set? Or what was your what was, you know what's that? I um, well uh of my entire career. Career or psycho what stands out with your mind? or psycho cop? Yeah. Well, I mean, psycho cop was a real labor of love. I mean, 
physically intensive, you know, I mean, especially the first one running around in the woods. <laughs> we were out in Malibu Canyon, which is typically 10 degrees colder than the rest of Los Angeles. We were shooting in December and January. So the, the horrible thing about it was we got the traffic going out of the city. And then in the morning at eight, eight 30, when we were wrapped, we, we caught an hour and a half of it coming in. So it was a real grinder. <laughs> I mean, those kind of um, shoots are nothing but sleeping and working, you know, and uh, after, you know, three, four weeks of it, you, you know, you've been through a prize fight. That's for sure. Um, I always remember, you know, number two, I mean, it was so zany, but what really made that movie work was every night on the way to the set, we were shooting out at a 10 story high rise out in Burbank. And we, we would stop at uh, photo chem. This was film. We were shooting on film. And we would all watch the uh, dailies from the day before, you know, me and Rifkin and the producers and some of the other actors. Then we would go eat lunch at the diner, and then we'd go, you know, shoot the next bit of craziness th that night. And so the uh, production, we shot it in 12 days. And so it was fast. You know, I like to shoot fast. I mean, it creates a certain energy on the set that uh, you, don't, you don't get. Still here, folks. Internet's bad. The power of technology. The Grumlins are hitting a podcast once again. What else is new? Still there? The Gremlins are coming back in again. Mess my pocket. Oh, you're there. Okay. Okay, I'm rolling. <laughs> they, they, they're. Uh, the ghost and the drummers were messing with talking Well, I'll tell you one good story, uh, Mike. I was standing up on the roof with a 185-foot-pound stunt guy over my shoulder, which isn't much fun, I got to tell you. And he was dressed in a cheerleader outfit, and I was getting ready to throw him off the roof. Oh, gee. Well, he was mad because there were people taking <laughs> snapshots and he didn't want anybody, you know, taking still photographs of him dressed as a woman. <laughs> so he, he, you know, he's kind of jumping around on my shoulder there, yelling at people. Meanwhile, Adam Rifkin's two flights down on this landing deck, you know, got the boxes all set up for me to throw this guy over. And he keeps going, Hey Bobby, uh, can you come a little closer to the edge of the ledge here? <laughs> and meanwhile, you're you're on the top of a 10-story building where the wind is whipping. Wow. <laughs> With a 185-pound guy on your shoulder. I mean, that, that gets old pretty quick. Well, we do the first part of the fall, you know, it's just perfect. And I thank God we're done with that. Well, then he does the high fall. He jumps from the top of the building into the, uh, you know, got a big, uh, uh, balloon net sort of deal, you know, for him to jump into and he hits it. And all the stunt guys that are holding the, 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 um, safety thing think that he's hit it the wrong way that he landed on his neck. Wow. So, Oh, it was, it was a, because he didn't come rolling out of there right away. 
you know, fortunately he was fine. I mean, he, he didn't hit it the way he wanted to hit it, but he didn't, you know, he didn't break his neck. Right. But the whole time I'm standing on that ledge, I kept thinking of Vic Morrow in the uh, twilight zone, <laughs> you know, Vic uh, was killed doing that stunt. I mean, yeah. it, the odds are, you know, one in a million, but that time the one showed up, you know, he's running across the, first of all, he had kids that shouldn't have been out there filming, you know, that almost killed Landis's career really. Right. And the director, he had uh, underage kids out shooting at three in the morning. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's verboten. There's <laughs> these, crazy little things called child labor laws. You know, they, you know, when kids are on a film set, they only get to shoot six hours and they have to go to class during the day. I mean, it's not like, you know, they have very stringent rules. I mean, you you really, uh, you just can't do what you want with kids on a film set. Right. I mean, that, that, uh, that got changed a long time ago. So if you, if you can say one thing to your fans, like, what would you, what would you to all your fans, any advice to wrap it up? If I was going to give advice, advice to your fans, to to do what? To what you know, your advice to your fans, you know, or, or advice. Well, uh, I would say I should have learned this lesson in 1987. I made a film called Hollywood Shuffle with Robert Townsend. It was very famous because he made it for a hundred grand and he used his own credit cards. He advanced all of them. So we all shot it for free and, and he ended up getting a distributor and it's a famous film. It's about a black actor that doesn't want to play pimps and, you know, drug dealers. He wants to be a superhero. I mean, it launched Keenan Ivory Wayans and, you know, it was Robert, Robert's next film was directing Eddie Murphy, you know, so it worked out okay for Robert Townsend. But I realized that was the lesson was make your own movie, right? I mean, with camera technology the way it is now, you can get two Sony 7Ds and you can be shooting. So uh, with one Sony 7D, you're shooting, right? I mean, that's broadcast quality uh, film. So... The key, the key, of course, is to write a great script. I mean, if it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage. So the planning really comes into uh, into the execution. And if you watch Dick Dixter, I mean, something that I did there came from my experience is usually low-budget filmmakers uh, don't spend enough money on the sound. Right. Well, we shot everything on sound stages. <laughs> we were inside. We never worried about helicopters or planes or is the sound good here or not? Because we already knew it was good. I mean, it was perfect. And so that makes a big difference. And, uh, you know, especially when it comes time to mix it. I mean, if you don't have good sound, there's no saving it once you get into the mixing. So um, make the movie, raise the money, write the script, raise the money, make the movie, edit the movie, sell the movie. That's it. That's that's I, how it's done. I know. I got I I mean I got past so far, so I'm halfway there. I got no destination, and I'm halfway there. <laughs> well, Robert, thank you so much for coming on. You know, I mean, Mike. Good luck with it. I'll read it. Send it to me when you're done writing it, and I'll uh, I'll make some suggestions. I'm not 
I'm not the guy that kind of sugarcoats it. I just want oh, well, you to know that. that. But I've, I've been reading and, and writing them for 40 years, so I know what I'm talking about. All right, Robert. Thank you so much for coming on. It means a lot. And um, stay out of that cup office for a while. Don't wear that cup, cup off at our, you know, around town. <laughs> You there? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't wear don't wear that right now. I won't. All right, man. Thank you. All so right, man. Take yeah. care. Good All luck. Right. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. And they have folks another episode of the Champs Word coming to a close. Episode one fifteen is in the books. On to episode one sixteen. What lies ahead? You'll have to stay tuned and continue to spread the word. A lot is to come for this podcast. I am so happy where this podcast is headed now. It is going to be amazing. But you have to continue to support and you have to continue to spread the word. It's going to be amazing. I promise you, I will bring you the very best. The best is yet to come. So until next time, this is Fan Champ saying thank you. I love all of you. Spread the love, spread the positivity. Let's be and spread the word. Champ's word. <laughs> it's middle time. It's middle time. <laughs> there are three men in the boat with four cigarettes and no matches. How do they manage to smoke? Hmm? <laughs> Tune in next week for the answer and another riddle. <laughs> Fan Champ, the podcast champion, wants to give a big shout out to Jimmy J of Horror 365. Together, we're going to take the podcast world by storm. Check us both out, show your support, and stay tuned. <laughs>